Welcome to Life on the Other Side, stories from prisoners, their families, and those helping them find justice and redemption with Alec Klein. This podcast is sponsored by Republic Book Publishers, which brings you books tackling the important issues of the day and the upcoming book, Aftermath, When It Felt Like Life Was Over by Alec Klein. For more information, please check out republicbookpublishers.com. In this episode, we hear from Charlie Parker, whose wife was falsely accused of medical child abuse before she was set free and reunited with her family in Oregon. Thanks for joining us, Charlie. I'm happy to be here. Tell us about your life as a family before Kate was arrested. Well, uh, Joshua was sick. Okay. I mean, we we did expect him to die. Your son? Um, yes, my son. And we uh, we did things together. I mean, um, we we had a good time. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> this is, this I mean, a big family, right, Charlie? We have a big family. Yes. Um, uh, at the time, we had um, eight children, as well as myself and, and Kate. Uh, what was daily life like for for you all back then before the troubles began? Well, I worked 60 hours a week. I mean, so um, obviously I wasn't there a whole lot. I mean, because I was uh, the sole sole provider. And um, tell us what you were doing at the time. I was working at a restaurant as a as a manager. Yeah, um, that's a long week. Yes, it is. I was on salary. I mean, right. so it was. Um, it it was a long week, and sometimes it was even longer. Sometimes I worked even even more than sixty. So, wow. yeah. Um, yeah. So what was life? <laughs> what was life like for you back then, as you would be working quite long hours and then come home? What was uh, family life like back then? Well, a, a lot of times, I I wouldn't know what was going on at home. I mean, because I was working sixty hours a week. And um, I would come home and try to spend as much time with the kids and Kate as I could. I mean, but, you know, a lot of times I would just come home, go to bed, and get up and go back to work. So, right. Um, but like I said, we did do things. I mean, we went, you know, out to the woods and, and to the beach and things like that still. I mean, things that families normally do, barbecues right. and things like that. So, To what extent was faith important in your family life? Oh, it was very important. I mean, we um, went to church. I mean, every Sunday we um, we prayed and things like that. Read the Bible. I mean, so it's it it has always been an important part of our family life. But trusting in God has always been, you know, a very important thing. So, so it must have been quite a shock when all of this was upended, and uh, your wife, you know, Kate was accused of uh, medical child abuse. I mean, tell us how you experienced hearing about this. Uh, What was this like for you? Um, It was a shock. I mean, because for for at least a year, we were believing that Joshua was going to die. I mean, so um, that was because that is what the doctors told us. Yes. And I I took that extremely hard. I mean, it was it was very difficult. I mean, knowing that my son was was you know going to die, so um, it's and knowing that I sort of 
you know, withdrew into myself. So, and I know that wasn't a very good thing to do, but um, it was reality. What did that look like, Charlie, when you were withdrawing within yourself? Um, well, by nature, I'm an introvert. <laughs> and when I withdraw into myself, it means that I I get very quiet. I don't talk. Um, I like to by myself a lot. Uh, things like that. I mean, it's... Um, I don't express my feelings. I mean, and and that is that is what was happening at that time. It's like, and a lot of times I still don't express my feelings, but I've gotten a lot better doing it. <laughs> but so what you're describing is that it was actually a pretty tough time even before Kate was accused of anything because you yes. thought your son was going to die, and that's what right. the doctors had said. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and how did they describe this to you, the, the condition that uh, your son was in? Um, how did they describe it? Um, but from from what I know is that I knew that I know that he had his carry malformation. I mean, and of course the spina bifida and things like that. So as well as the chromosome um, abnormalities, which played a played a huge role in in his uh, sickness. So. So this must have been quite a shock then to hear that suddenly, Kate, your wife, was being accused of medical child abuse when you had received this diagnosis from doctors about your son. I mean, how, how did you sort of process all of that? I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, because I had seen everything that was going on, and um, part of part of our family dynamics was I went to work and Kate took care of the children. I mean, and so seeing seeing her being accused of uh, medical child abuse was just, it was shocking. I mean, because I was going, no, that's not what I'm seeing. And it's that's not what I've experienced. I mean, because I saw things that were going on. I mean, I may not have expressed it and, and things like that, but I trusted Kate explicitly. Let me ask you this now. You were not home, I believe, when she was arrested, but I think Meg and your daughter called you. Is that right? Right. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that moment you got the call, finding out that uh, Kate was being arrested. Do you remember that it moment? Was, I, I do somewhat. <laughs> it, was, it was surreal. It, it was It's like, she's what? And I have to come home? It's like, I'm at work. I can't do that. <laughs> you know those those thoughts that go through your head, and then it and then it it sinks in. It's like, wait a minute, I've got to go home. I have to go home, and I have to go home now. I'm leaving. <laughs> so um, it it was hard to believe until it actually until I actually came home and saw it and saw the state the children were in and and it it, it was just it was unreal. And suddenly your life was turned upside down. Some of your oh. kids were, were put into foster care. Suddenly, oh, that, right? Right. That happened the next day. I mean, so um, the the judge looked looked at us and said, you know what, I've, I've kept, you know, the kids out of foster care and, and DHS, but it's time. It's like they, they need to go to, to foster care and we need to get this sorted out.
That so. must have been yet another shock. Your wife is arrested, and the next day your kids are put into foster care. It, it was. It was. It was a huge shock. I um, took a month off from work because of it, because I didn't handle it. Hard. I could handle it, but I just didn't want to be at work at that time. So, well, um, you, I guess that was a third shock. You suddenly go from working sixty hours a week at the restaurant <laughs> to suddenly being the primary caregiver. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that experience. Suddenly you're thrust in this uh, situation that's hard to even understand. What was that like in this month when you were trying to keep everything together? Well, knowing that they they could blame me for part of this also. Um, <laughs> I know that what what I did and what I was feeling is I was hurt too. I mean, because I was afraid that they would come and arrest me also. And then the kids wouldn't have anybody. And Kate and I would be absolutely separated completely. I mean, so what I did is I slept on the couch in my clothes. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? Because um, I didn't want to be caught off guard if they were to show up at my door. I mean, and, you know, was sleeping in my pajamas or whatever and, and um, I couldn't sleep in the same bed that Kate and I did. Wow. So it was uh, it, it was hard to do. I mean, and then having the, the kids gone, too, the house was very empty. And Quiet. I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person who has to, do, has to be going at all times. <laughs> I very rarely rest. And so what I did is I... I clean the house from top to bottom. I mean, because I had to do something. I had, and that, that is a feeling for me that I couldn't do anything. It's like, it was just, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't get Kate out of jail. I couldn't get my kids back from foster care. I mean, and it was, I was helpless. I felt helpless. That's overwhelming. Yeah, it really is. And so I had to keep myself busy so I didn't think about it. And this went on for quite some time. Is that right, Charlie? I mean, you were... It, it went on for 10 months. That must have been a tough 10 months. It, it was because I had to jump through DHS hoops. And um, at the beginning, they were telling me that, that I was incompetent. My, my son, David, likes to call me an incompetent boob <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> and I am not incompetent if they just didn't know our family dynamics. Which were what, by the way? Which were as Kate took care of the children and I went to work. And so a lot of times I I didn't know exactly what was going on at home because I was gone 60 hours a week. But that doesn't mean that that I was incompetent and that I wasn't involved. Which right. I have always been involved with my children. <laughs> this must have, so this sounds like a, a, quite a scary time because you were – obviously worried about Kate since she had been mm-hmm. uh, taken away, your children had been taken away, you'd been taken away from your own job. And, uh, you know, how, did you did you rely on anything to kind of get you through this? Uh, was there any support system or your faith that kind of helped you manage this? My faith was there, absolutely. I mean, I think that that, I think that that is was the time that I have actually been closest to God. Tell me about that. Um, I know that 
I was reading um, Streams in the Desert. I can't remember who it's by. But I know that I was um, doing the devotion with that every single day, and I actually sent a a copy of it to Kate in jail. Um, and I know that that I was praying a lot, and it was just, you know, God God gave me gave me verses and things that that believe it or not, um, Kate got the same verses a lot of the times too. So. It was, it was just, uh, um, we know that God was in the midst of everything that we were going through. You felt God? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Definitely. And you could, could you actually hear what God was saying? Um, could I hear him as in uh, an audible voice? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody does that. <laughs> but I... You could just feel mm. it's it's when when he was speaking to when he he speaks to you you can just feel it I mean you know that you know that you know yeah so um it's a, it's a hard feeling to describe yeah <laughs> well let me ask you this so you, you you're going through this terrible family ordeal mm-hmm. it's it's hard to even describe but then suddenly a miracle happens I suppose which is that you find out that. Kate is going to be coming home. You're going to be reunited as a family. And mm-hmm. uh, what was your reaction when you found out that uh, finally your wife was coming home? Oh, it, it was a wonderful feeling. I mean, knowing that she was going to be here. Um, but, of course, uh, I I had actually been able to see her at, at least at least once a month. I mean, for, for I think it was like six months. No. Six or seven, eight months—I can't remember how long—but you know, with um, with the with the lawyers supervising, um, I was actually able to see her, and um, I'm not going to say it wasn't much of a thrill. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say. But um, I know the kids were much more excited than I was because I had actually seen her. But to have her home—that was wonderful. I mean, it was just. To be able to, you know, talk to her as much as I wanted to, and and see her, and kiss her, and hug her, and and just having her here was just. <laughs> and I didn't have to go to the grocery store anymore. <laughs> I mean, how had life changed by that point when she returned? Because you had been uh, pretty much on your own with with Megan uh, running the house. <clears throat> um, how had life changed? Oh my gosh. Uh, when when the kids got home, came home it was in uh january of 15 okay, when when they came home i kept them public school until the end of the year except for emily and um so i was let's see doing the cooking the cleaning the <laughs> taking them to school um grocery shopping uh paying the bills you know, uh, taking the doctor, taking the dentist, I mean, everything. I mean, I was doing everything as a single father for, let's see, five kids. I mean, because Adam and, Anna, Adam and Megan were adults. So, um, right. so going from, you know, having a wife to being a single father for a year, that, that was, it was challenging. It really was. Did it change you at all? Uh, yeah, it made me appreciate exactly what Kate did. 
and um, it made it got me closer to my children. I mean, and I had um, switched jobs, so I was only working like thirty hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, I had I had a lot of fun. I really did. That we went places, we did things together. I mean, and I, I really got to know them a lot more than I had. So, so some good actually came from all of that. Suffering. Yes, it did. So, what was it like when Kate came home? Did things uh, go back to the way they were before? Um, well, as far as her doing the groceries and cleaning, and <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> but. <laughs> But was it like before? No, it was not. I mean, because... How so? Yeah. Well, we were more guarded as a family. Um, it's 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 been a long haul learning how to trust again, um, which a lot of us still don't trust a lot of people. Yeah, and Kate did die, too, <laughs> and then came back to life. <laughs> right, you described that. That must have yeah, been in itself sort of a scary moment when she had the uh, the heart attack. It was. Well, actually, she had a cardiac arrest. There was a difference. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, it was a scary moment, yes. Um, I wasn't actually at home when she did, but, uh, you know, going up to the hospital and, and seeing her, you know, with all the tubes and wires and and um, and being on that ice. That that was it, it was scary. It really was. I was really afraid we were going to lose her. The ice. Can you explain that? Um, where they take like these ice packs and just pack her pack her whole body in these ice packs, and it I guess it slows down the metabolism to uh, to reduce any um, internal damage and things that the the cardiac arrest does. So I'm not exactly sure how it works, but that's what I understand it to work. But, but on, so, so you know, basically, you you lose your wife for a time to a, a, a wrongful accusation. Your children mm-hmm. are taken out of the home and put into foster care. Mm-hmm. Then, even after she gets back and you're re- reunited as a family, she she has cardiac arrest. I mean, it, it, did at any point you know you kind of say, okay, when when is this going to end? <laughs> I still do sometimes. <laughs> yes, it's like when is this going to end? It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? What? What's? Well, tell me about that. I mean, what? What is? What are things like now today? I mean, after all these years, uh, you finally c- come back together as a family. Well, we're we're still wary um, of DHS coming back or you know the police showing up at our door again. Um, it's or things, you know, just falling apart. And, and it's, when you go through trauma like that, it, you you look at things differently. It's like, okay, how is this going to affect me? It's like, if I do this over here, how is it going to affect me here? And if I, if something comes along down the pike, how are we going to handle that? I mean, it, it just, you look at it differently because you're always looking, well, not always, but always, but looking for things to happen that, I, I don't know how to describe this. You're talking about being vigilant. <laughs> being vigilant, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So even, 
so even to this day, you know, you're you're vigilant. Yes, because when we when we hear about things like like this coronavirus thing, it's like um, we're going, okay, how are we going to prepare for this? Is how is it going to affect our family? How is it going to affect us mentally and physically and, and things like that? And so you're you're always looking at things in a different light and because you're always wary of of things that are coming towards you. Where are you now in your life in, after all that you've been through? Um, I know that that Kate and several of the kids are going to college, and I am completely in support of that. Um, as far as myself, I just live from day to day, mm-hmm. truly. I mean, that's pretty much the way I've always been, and I still am. I just live from day to day to where... Kate and the kids look to the future and all that sort of stuff, and they go, ah, the future will take care of itself. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I have a perfect yard. (laughs) 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 And that's pretty much what what I do is, um, you know, take care of the yard, take care of the house, things like that. I mean, and, 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 and really enjoy doing it. So... Does it make you appreciate the, the small things after everything you've been through? Uh, you know, uh, you, you are together as a family, uh, all of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely makes me appreciate things. Um, I, I see what what our kids do, like uh, Sarah with her, with her art and Emily with her art and Joshua with his gardening. Oh, he absolutely loves to garden. Um, and I get involved with that uh, and and make sure that they know that I'm there if they have any questions or and um, I joke with them a lot and actually I'm a jokester yes <laughs> <laughs> and they know it so I, I try to make them laugh as much as possible I mean and and make sure that they enjoy life and I take them camping and to the beach and hiking and um, things like that. I mean, not all of them enjoy doing that. Kate hates, hates hiking and camping. So <laughs> she, <laughs> we do other things together with her. <laughs> but there's a sense of normalcy returning, it sounds like. There is a sense of normal, normalcy returning, but still being wary and still, still learning to trust because there is very little trust there to the outside world. And we, you know, this has been a recurring theme as I've talked to both Kate and Megan about this, but about mm-hmm. trust. When you talk about trust, can you elaborate? What do you mean by that? The, oh, goodness. The, well, the outside world. It's, um, if a stranger were to come up to me and, uh, you know, tell me something, you know, I wouldn't act, be be certain I would trust what they were saying as well as um, we have very few outside friends. I mean, very few to where before we, we had several, I mean, we had our church family. We had our, um, Kate had, had friends online. Or, well, as, as much as you can have online friends. <laughs> um, I, I actually had a couple of male friends that I was getting to know and things like that. And now, we we don't trust people 
I mean, and so we have very few friends. The only ones that we really trust are family members. So that's what I mean mean by not being able to trust. So this experience has really changed you. Yeah, because all the friends that we had before, none of them stood by us except for one or two. I mean, we have our our friends, um, Carolyn and Craig. (laughs) I couldn't think of their names. (laughs) Carolyn and Craig. And the kids kids have a, a couple of friends also, but they're... It, it's hard for them to trust also. So, yeah, it is a recurring theme. Absolutely. Well, it also sounds like, you know, there's a, some healing still going on. Yes. Fair to say? That That is fair to say. Absolutely. Do you think this, this came up uh, as I spoke with both uh, Megan and Kate, but what, if anything, was the purpose of your suffering, what your family went through? I think it was to grow us. And, um, well, look at Kate. She's, she's going to school. She's getting a four point. I mean, she's, she's had a four point all through school. I mean, and before, before this happened, she never would have thought to go to go to school. I mean, Mm -hmm. whatsoever. I mean, she's going to be an attorney. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's something I never would have thought, thought of Kate being which now she is. So um, let's see, Megan, before before all this happened, she was a homebody. I mean, and, and she, you know, wanted to stay home and take care, of the, take care of the home and everything else. But now she's going to school. She's got a 4.2, I think wow. close to a 4.0. So it, there are things that have happened in our family that have um, – that have come that have come out of this uh, that I see as good things because you know I have let's see Megan and Emily and Sarah and David are all going to going to college next year. I mean, three of them are already in college as well as Kate. But um, let's see, David will be and Isaac is graduating this year. In high school, I mean, Charlie. he's only sixteen. So, <laughs> Charlie, but what about for you? What, for what me, what is what good has come out of this for you? <clears throat> um, I'm much closer to my children. Much closer. I mean, and that I have, um, I, I'm no longer working as much as I did. I mean, because honestly, I think that that I am a workaholic. <clears throat> Um, if I weren't working, if, if I were working 60 hours a week, I wouldn't be able to, um, to have the time that I do with my children. Um, and if I didn't have a lot of things to do at home, I'd probably be working 60 hours a week. (laughs) So, um, because I'm constantly going, I never slow down. (laughs) And you're living, as you say, day to day. Day to day. Yes. Mm -hmm. What's in front of you? what's in front of me and keeping my faith. Well, listen, Charlie, I really appreciate your sharing your story. Uh, it's moving and I uh, appreciate your sharing um, all the good and the bad. Um, so thank you so much. Oh, Charlie. You're very welcome. Absolutely. This podcast is sponsored by Republic book publishers. 
which brings you books tackling the important issues of the day and the upcoming book Aftermath, When It Felt Like Life Was Over by Alec Klein. For more information, please check out republicbookpublishers.com. Thank you for joining us today. Please stay tuned for our next podcast involving stories from prisoners, their families, and those helping them find justice and redemption. And please subscribe to the Life on the Other Side podcast on iTunes.